Progress Report is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network. And we've got some big news to announce. Three new podcasts have joined. We've got Anti-Girl Boss with Penny's Cosro and Tamsin Riddle. We've got Gender Troubles with Emma and Eva. And we've got Take Back the Fight with the always amazing Nora Loretta. Head to harbingermedia.com to get more details on these sweet new podcasts that I can't wait to listen to. Now, on to the show. Friends and enemies, welcome to The Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney. We're recording today here in Amiskwichibuskaigan, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta, here in Treaty 6 territory. And we're here on the banks of the Kisiskisawanasipi, or the North Saskatchewan River. Joining us today to discuss the gaping hole in the discourse around Alberta's municipal elections is Trent Daly. Trent, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me, Duncan. So Trent, uh, just by way of introduction, is the vice chair of Edmonton's Anti-Racism Advisory Committee and is a a volunteer and active member of the National Council of Canadian Muslims. Uh, Trent, uh, I assume you're doing just fine considering how things are in Alberta right now? Yeah, you know, (laughs) not too bad. Uh, It's like, I feel like... uh, we're, we've been on this roller coaster ride, and even if you want to get off, and you're saying like, "Mommy, help me," it's you know, we're all stuck on it. Yeah, I mean, I am lucky. I don't have anyone who has to go to a hospital or get a cancer surgery or anything in the immediate short term. But yeah, our healthcare system is still blowing up. Even though, I mean, that's not the topic of this uh, this podcast. But uh, but it is hard to do anything without just kind of like thinking about it as this like creeping dread in the background. Yeah. And I mean, like, whether it's some of the other issues you've, you know, outlined for us today or, you know, the intersections of some of these other problems, they're all being affected by, you know, what is government incompetence. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's get off the COVID. Let's get on to the pod, which, um, you know, back in 2020, there was an unprecedented kind of international moment, right? Like after George Floyd was murdered by Minneapolis police, there was this massive street level movement that stood up and made one, you know, very clear demand, defund the police, you know, black lives matter. And just over a year later, here we are in the midst of, you know, municipal elections across Alberta, you know, both Calgary and Edmonton have open mayoral seats and like, Oh man, Calgary has like 28, people contesting the mayoral elections have you seen have you seen the like all of the people who are trying to be mayor of calgary yeah it's like it's like a collage of people it's just incredible and you know you get you get such a degree of types of people that some using it just to you know get in the news and some people that are genuinely thinking they can win and then there's the types that how did nobody in their family tell them not to do this yeah, there are so many cranks. There are always your cranks. But then there are people who are just like, what are you doing? Like, like there is no better window into the kind of deranged political culture in the city that I grew up in. I grew up in Calgary than to read every single mayoral profile that like CTV posted in their like, here's the profile of every single mayoral candidate. It is it is not good for your mental health, but it does give a little insight into like why Calgary is the the city it is. But but we're not here to talk about deranged <laughs> Calgary mayoral candidates. We are here to talk about, you know, something that isn't being talked about. Trent, have you have you noticed anything missing from the municipal election discourse in uh, you know, across Alberta? 
across Alberta, but you know, for me, um, most disappointingly in Edmonton is the the lack of discussion on defunding the police, the lack of discussion on holding police accountable, the lack of attention being given to, you know, the once banned carding procedure, but is still street checks that are disproportionately harming BIPOC people. Yeah, I mean, the the question gives it away, but like, I mean, the intro to the question gives it away. But we, as a, as a society, like, uh, you know, the media, the candidates, you know, the regular ass people uh, who are taking part in this municipal election, it is it is been noticeably absent from you know campaigns, from you know forums, from media coverage, which is which is wild to me because again not only did we have this huge international moment in 2020 but like the single biggest line item in the municipal budget for Calgary and Edmonton are the police it's like it's near 400 million dollars a year in both cities and the very first thing you do after you get elected as a city councilor in this province especially in the in the big cities the very first thing that happens is that you get thrown into this like two to two and a half month budget process where essentially you as a counselor with the help of like, you know, these, these pointy headed administration folks, you build a budget that is essentially going to decide how the next four years worth of money gets spent. And so for a city like Edmonton or Calgary, if, if your police budget's around $4 billion, $400 million a year, we're talking about $1.6 billion. That's just kind of like per city. That's just like headed out yeah. the door that no one is thinking about that. No one is talking about and it's it's just absolutely mind blowing to me. Yeah, like it, it, it's been so disheartening to me as someone who's been trying to to advocate and and push for this issue, and you know, especially seeing what's happened to you know my community and other communities, you know, with the attacks on Black Muslim women, the the you know parading around solutions to houselessness that don't happen, you know, and seeing this ever present reality of, of police budget yet, you know, where's the discussion, you know, it's, it's, it's frightening. Yeah. And here in Edmonton, there was a very clear demand that was made you know, the city struck this task force, this community safety and well-being task force. You know, there was like 13 or something, very clear recommendations and the city uh, adopted all 12 of the 13 or all but one. And, and the one they didn't, the one they pushed off to the next, uh, to the next council was the biggest one, the most important one which was a funding freeze of the Edmonton Edmonton police over the next five years. And their estimate was that over the next five years, if they just froze the funding increases for Edmonton police and instead <laughs> redirected that money to uh, health and social supports and housing, that that would be worth $262 million. And that funding freeze, again, is nowhere to be seen in the discourse around the municipal election here at Edmonton. And Again, that is a huge chunk of money that could actually do something. And, you know, Don Iveson fucking washes hands of it, right? He says he didn't want to tie the hands of the next council. And the next council has, you know, busy campaigning to get elected and no one is fucking talking about it. Mm -hmm. 
And to me, I mean, I mean, everyone has their own priorities, but to me, this is the only thing that matters. This is, this is, I am a one issue voter and it is, it is the, it is freezing the cops funding and redirecting that money to other things. And, you know, we do have to put a tremendous amount of pressure on whoever the new mayor is, on whoever the new council is to actually follow through on this. I agree completely. And, you know, it's one of those things that when you're looking at prospective candidates and their platforms, you know, it's been a void and it's almost been like something that even even if people would support it, you know, it's like this taboo topic because nobody wants to talk about cops They're too afraid of, you know, what what voters might think in a municipal election where participation is already low. And, you know, it's it's it seems like it's it's being put off to the side, but it's going to come back. It's going to come back to council one way or another. Yeah. And it, and I think you've, you've brought something up that's very important. Yeah. Like it's been cowardice, right? Like none of these candidates, whether they identify as, you know, quote unquote progressive or not, like I don't, there's no candidates who are framing themselves as the, like, I will defund the police candidate, which is, which is wild to me. It is, it is a, you know, that 15,000 Edmontonians sent a letter to their counselor saying defund the police. Like there was 10, 15,000 people in the streets for that rally. This is not an unpopular decision, but but it is a, not an unpopular policy, but, you know, they definitely don't want to go up against the police. I mean, I think, you know, you know, homeowners, white homeowners, you know, tend to be disproportionately represented in municipal elections. Turnout is low uh, in these things compared to provincial and uh, compared to provincial and federal elections. But maybe one of the reasons why it's so low is that you're not giving anyone a reason to fucking get out and vote. Yeah. And and it's it's demoralizing to communities where they had to be re-traumatized in front of last the last iteration of city council. They had to re-traumatize themselves. They had to air their trauma in front of this committee, this council, and then nothing happened. And now it's it's taboo to talk about. You know, like why did you make those 200 some people go through that? Why did the SRO issue get waved under the rug? You know, like it's, it doesn't end at the school board. Yeah, it's it is it has not been uh, very encouraging, and again, it is it is it gets thrown into their faces right away. The, they get they get into budget deliberations like two or three weeks, like they get, it starts immediately after they get elected. Um, and you know, while it hasn't really dominated the discourse, there is a handy tool that <laughs> has been built by uh, Taproot Edmonton, just a little local independent media shop. And they've essentially, you know, these things are very common um, during uh, municipal elections is these surveys. And their survey is pretty authoritative. Like it covers a lot of ground, but it also has three very clear questions about police and police funding. And uh, and they got a lot of counselors and mayoral candidates to take this thing. And I think it's worth going through the questions and you know, pulling out some notable uh you know, answers to this survey. Uh, like it is a multiple choice test, but, uh, but Trent, do you have the, uh, the link in front of you? Yeah, I pulled it up. All right. All right. So the, fir- <laughs> the, the first one that I'm going to do is, um, which statement best captures your beliefs about racism and the Edmonton police service <laughs> and answer number a systemic racism is apparent throughout the EPS. That's answer A. And there were, surprisingly, a decent amount of candidates who uh, agreed with this and who responded uh, to this question in this fashion. Um, you know, uh, 
surprising. I mean, it's, it's just an answer to a survey. Like it's, it's not like a, a huge deal. Um, but is there any names that jumped out at you, uh, who answered this question or didn't answer this question? Well, you know, what, what's disappointing to me is like, like, you know, if, if you don't want to do the taproot, taproot survey, you know, don't do it. Right. But why would you skip it? Why would you say you don't have a position? Like you should have a, a position on every damn issue on here. You know, like Cher, Cheryl Watson, the, uh, somebody who's going to be mayor doesn't have a position on racism and EPS. <laughs> yeah, absolutely wild. Like, like the mayor doesn't have a position. Like what the fuck? Like, I, I don't know what to say to that. And then like, when you look at who skipped it, we have two incumbent, uh, incumbent city councilors that skipped the question. Why? Like, why would you skip this? Yeah. Sarah Hamilton and Aaron Paquette were the candidates who skipped it. Um, you know, I was surprised, for instance, see like Bev Esslinger, like an absolute, like, I didn't, I do not recall hearing a word from Bev Esslinger during the, the, uh, the defund the police talk. Uh, but there she is. Gabrielle Batiste, again, a, a counselor, a council candidate in Odeman who's come out as kind of very pro-police. Um, said yes to this question, said that there was systemic mm-hmm. racism in the EPS. I mean, again, it's like acknowledging that water is wet. Like it's not a huge deal to say systemic racism exists and systemic racism, systemic racism exists. Of course it exists in the EPS. Uh, but the people who answered the EPS is not racist on the whole, but there are some racist members. So did the old uh, yeah. bad apple hypothesis. Um, you know, we've got, you know, your Tony Katarina's, your Mo Banga's, your, your uh, Michael Oshry's, your Kim Chrishell's, uh John Zadick, of course, who voted against defunding the police, you know, as did. But you, uh, you, you've even got Amarjeet Sohi in that one. And, you, you know, it, it, to me, it, it, that question, like answering that question is kind of like what they thought was the safe answer. Like, mm. of course, there's some racism, racism in, in EPS, but it's only the members. It's not it's not the system, you know, and like, I, I don't know if they just didn't understand the question. I don't like it, they, they must have. But it's just ridiculous. Like, it's it, it's yeah. such a cop out. Yeah. Even Adrian Bruff and Amarjeet Sohi both said yes to this question, which was which was, yeah, surprising to me. Uh, and then uh, there's. <laughs> The, the people who said there's no racism within the EPS are two people who I've never heard of. So it's not a, yeah. the biggest deal. So like, who cares? But it's still like it's a couple of people answered it that way. Uh, the second question yeah. is, you know, when police request funding for capital projects, how should council respond? And uh, A, uh, council should trust <laughs> the police to know that we to know what they need and generally approve their request. There was only one person who said, uh, who just gave the police a blank check, a guy who I've never heard of named uh, Mukesh Makwana. But the vast majority of people, this I mean, this is like, whatever. Everyone and their dog said, B, council should closely scrutinize all requests. Uh, only three people, council should not approve any further funding requests from police actually actually agree with that statement and i think it's worth uh uh saying who they are because this is this is actually like a good answer is gino mm-hmm. akbare a counselor in odeman uh abdul hakim dalal a candidate in in ward Metis, and naima Haley, a candidate in odeman um sarah hamilton again skip this question good good one sarah yeah it's it's just you know it's kind of interesting the differences between the two you know it shows like you know, when it comes to systemic racism, either it's uh, apathy or lack of understanding. And, you know, 
but when it comes to budgets, suddenly everybody cares about the budget. Mm-hmm. And finally, the biggie, the the real like this is the, the 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 most clear kind of defunding the police question. What should be done about the police budget? <laughs> A, increase it as determined by the funding formula. So essentially, give the police what they want. Uh, Mo Banga, Tim Cartmel, Tony Katerina, John Zadek, um, Tom Shaw, Trisha Veltheisen, who's running against Aaron Paquette. Uh, you know, like. Mm, people who you would expect uh, B freeze it until it is in line with comparable cities. Uh, you know, this is like kind of a safe middle of the road, non-answer. You had a lot of people who picked this one, including Amarjeet Sohi, uh, you know, Kim Chrishell picked this as well. Like a lot of the like progressive candidates kind of pick this question, decrease it somewhat. This was a <laughs> decent, there's a decent amount of people who said decrease it somewhat. You know, Gino yeah. Akbari again, Ahmed, Nomadic Ali, Haroon Ali in Papasteu, Cody Bonderchuk, Adrian Bruff, uh, Kirsten Groa, Michael Jans, Glynis Lieb, Aaron Rutherford, Ann Stevenson, Shamir Turner, even Rick Comrie said decrease it somewhat, which I think <laughs> my understanding is he's like kind of a reactionary, but he, I guess he just wants to decrease the entire city budget. So, oh, yeah. So, no and taxes. then. And then sadly, defund the police altogether. No, not a single candidate selected that response, unfortunately. Yeah. And then, you know, you go to E and and uh, the candidates has skipped and then you see some, you know, familiar faces in there. Yeah. Bev Esslinger, Andrew Knack, Cheryl Watson don't have a position on whether uh, anything should happen with the police budget, I guess. It's, and Cyril Hamilton and Aaron Paquette both skipped the question. And, you know, it's just like, it, it, it's sad. Like why, why, why participate if you wouldn't answer this and why participate in this, if you don't have a position on anything, if you don't have a position on anything, then what does your platform mean? Exactly. And, and we'll, we'll link to these, uh, what we're discussing in the show notes. So you can kind of go through and see, see them where, where your council candidates, uh, kind of answer these questions, particularly that last one, but what should be done about the police budget? What, what is to be done as, as Lennon would say. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, again, I, I'm very frustrated by the fact that like it's a huge line item in the budget, massive international movement that actually like had a clear demand and there's just no one actually doing anything. And, and maybe one of the reasons why Trent and I want to run this by you is because we don't have, you know, we don't have slates. We don't have political parties at the municipal level in this province. Do you think maybe that's why this, this hasn't come up? It's just every individual candidate on their own? I think to a certain degree, I think, you know, while there's no official slates, there's some pressure, you know, and there's some, you know, provincial and federal um, connections wanting to be able to work with the city council. There's, um, you know, there's things like the Edmonton City Police Union that's putting pressure on candidates. And there's a lot of factors that, you know, with some of these questions, I feel people were weighing, which is the safest answer for my platform versus, you know, what do people want to hear? It's like, what's safest? You know, what will escape criticism? What, what it will, you know, like, but, but, you know, it just, it baffles me that like, why would you even do it if you don't have a position on anything? Why would you even do it if you're going to skip everything? Like, did you just answer for one issue? Like, but it wasn't this one. Cause like, why? Cause like this, you and I are, are looking for this one. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's, it's cowardice. I, I, I like the idea of municipal political, 
municipal political parties, municipal slates. I want it to be clear and easy to understand what a municipal candidate's politics are and what their ideology is and how they're going to approach their time as a on city council. Right now you go to every single freaking candidate's page and it's like, it could literally, it's lorem fucking ipsum text. It could all be the same, written by the same person, copy and paste. It's like accountability, transparency, I'll be smart with your money. Like, it's like, I promise to listen to you about your potholes or whatever. And it's like, I don't give a shit about that. It's all pab. <laughs> it's all pablum. And like, say what you will about slates or political parties, like it gives you the opportunity to take uh, and make more definitive statements about what you would do on city council or the things you want to get done and your objectives. Because you could say, hey, look, if you elect seven of us or eight of us, I guess, in Edmonton, uh, no, seven in Edmonton, we can do the, the projects that we say we are campaigning on. If we if you wanted to defund the police and you campaign on defunding the police and you elected seven councillors that would defund the police, guess what? You would defund the fucking police. <laughs> and instead... What we have in, in council is, you know, 12 individual councillors and one mayor, and it's all log rolling and favor culling. And, you know, every little, everything, every little thing that goes through council is kind of subject to the vagaries of these individuals' whims. And I don't like it. I I am on record now. I, I would prefer a slate. I would prefer a municipal political party. I want to know where people stand. Well, Duncan, it's it's time for you to get ahead, you know, like, <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it's the same bullshit rhetoric from people who don't actually know what real people's lives are like. And some people that, you know, why, why, why are they why are these people running? That's what I want to know. Like, are you running for a community? Or are you running for you? Like, is this like a another step up the ladder? Is this like, you know, I'm, I don't want to have like no public parks named after me by the time I'm in the ground. Like what, what is it? Because when you don't have a position on the issues that affect a considerable amount of people as Edmonton is approaching a city that is almost majority racialized communities, how could people not have a position? Yeah. There is no bigger issue that that city councilors will deal with than policing. It is yeah. <laughs> like it is your single largest line item. It is the thing that causes the most harm, the most damage to people on a regular basis. It is violence regularly and, and, and human rights violations regularly inflicted on, you know, poor people, on oppressed people, on, you know, BIPOC folks. Like this is this is the reality of the situation. And it's just, you know, don't want to talk mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, and like I, I worked in harm reduction for two years, and part of that was during the pandemic, and you know it was a brutal time. And seeing city council make promises to end houselessness in ten weeks, to address policing, but you know my clients that were unhoused and through the process of getting housed with addictions and intergenerational trauma, getting brutalized by police, you know. How, how can this be something you don't have a position on? You know, it, it just speaks to the people who they're representing or want to represent when there's candidates here that don't have a position on this, but they want to shut down the LRT. You know, like like this is this is like people that that are affected aren't the ones that they're going to be fighting for. Yeah, it was Don Iveson was mayor from 2013 to 2021. And, and despite his promises, uh, he did not actually manage to solve uh the issue of homeless folks. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, the thing that makes me mad about that, because 
this was during a, like the pandemic when we were stressed to the breaking point, when shelters had to turn people away because of capacity and social distancing, when people were dying of overdoses and a lack of social service supports due to, you know, personnel shortages, et cetera. And we had a mayor promise to end houselessness in 10 weeks. And, you know, if he couldn't do it, he would defer that responsibility onto the province or the federal government. But he made that promise. Yeah. Quote, whatever it takes. That that was the quote from Don Iveson. He would pledge to end homelessness in the fall of 2020. This is, of course, uh, when Camp Ekawewin was happening, this large encampment down in the River Valley, uh, kind of by Walterdale Bridge. You know, he made this outlandish promise to do something, anything that he would end homelessness. Like he for real said that. And then, and then, I mean, yeah, I was, I was like walking the street with Bear Clan last night. Like <laughs> there are still unhoused folks everywhere, by the way, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was working um in the housing first program at the time when that announcement was made and i remember like seeing that on my phone as i was like driving in between appointments and i remember just like laughing like 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 what the fuck kind of laughing and just like i don't know like it's just like how do you react to that and then i like like immediately like i like texted my team and i was like hey they just made this promise and we all just kind of laughed i mean in a city where the housing first program houses like a thousand unique individuals per year like what the hell uh, 10 weeks <laughs> yeah. And and if you want another kind of example of why your vote in these municipal elections matters, uh, we also have the example of um, school board trustees. You know, these tend to be a little more lower profile, you know, unless someone really fucks up or says something stupid, they don't tend to get a bunch of media attention. But there was a, a an outgoing uh, Edmonton public school trustee who did uh, – <laughs> say a bunch of stupid shit as she was going out the door. Uh, EPSB had an emergency meeting the other day because of, of COVID and what's going on in, in schools and transmission of COVID in schools. And this Sherry Adams woman, she's been a public school trustee for quite some time. I want to say two, maybe even three terms. She uh-huh. used the platform afforded to her by this emergency meeting, really her last act as a public school trustee to essentially just out herself as this like pro-COVID you know, anti-vax person, you know, she went off about ivermectin and how it was better than vaccines and uh, just like absolute Looney Tunes shit. And, you know, this is again, an example of why these, these municipal and school board elections matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, you know, I feel like school board trustee elections, you know, I feel like the candidates don't get their fair due by both the media, by the community, by even like people like us, like, like it, it needs to be talked about way more than it, than it, than it is. Because like, look at this, like, like look at how COVID is affecting our schools with the provincial government unwilling to do their job. And then it's down to EPSB having to issue a fire break to close schools in the midst of a crisis. And then you have somebody in that seat of power for the ward, like a ward in the South side saying, you know, inject yourself with like horse meds. Like what the hell? Yeah. This is your school board trustee for where you live, isn't it? Uh, no, she's right adjacent to me. She's in Millwoods. She's in Ward I, I believe. And like, you know, this is insane to like tell people to use ivermectin. Like, like what a callous and dangerous use of, of one's powerful position, that privileged position to any parents or children that follow EPSB to hear that. 
Like that's crazy. And so, yeah, this, this Sherry Adams woman, she is a pastor at a church. Uh, in June, she moderated a panel at her, uh, moderated a panel at her church titled could a COVID passport possibly be the mark of the beast? Oh, <laughs> uh, which for any millenarians out there or, uh, or, uh, lapsed Christians, I mean, I've, I am, I'm a lapsed Christian, but I, I distinctly remember, uh, the craziest Christians that I knew being obsessed with the mark of the beast. But, uh, but yeah, so this, the, uh, Don Hancock is a candidate for school board trustee in the West end. And she's a pastor at the same church as Adams. She, she is a, a little more low key than Adams. She hasn't been going off about horse paste or, uh, what have you, but just, you know, FYI for anyone living in the West end of Edmonton. Um, you know, another school board trustee who came onto my radar was this Esther Ekpe woman. <laughs> and, you know, you, you're familiar with her too. Why don't you tell uh, the folks why this, this Esther Ekpe person should be a, uh, uh, yeah, you should vote for someone else. Oh uh, yeah. Like this one was tipped off to me. Cause like with some of my social media platform and you know, the kind of issues that I speak on someone, someone let me know about this cause they trusted me. Um, and I'm going to be making a TikTok about it with my thoughts um and esther this this candidate for ward b i believe um she has her signature and like like the organization that she signed on behalf of or whatever is her church um i think it's like rccg or something on the on the document but she signed something that is called the alberta christian accord which is part of like a cross jurisdictional accord um called the one accord and it's designed to like unify leaders, leaders. So like, that's an interesting word and churches to form a coalition, which can be a united stand. And essentially it's on gender identity and human sexuality. Like it's like one man, one woman, one nuclear family before God. And when you look up one accord, it has connections to conversion therapy. And this person's running for Edmonton Public School Board. Yeah, no, wild. I, I like, this one accord it, shit. I was not really aware of, but I was like, oh man, like this is a really handy list if you just want to find like awful people or awful like pastors. <laughs> just yeah, run them. Just just go to that page and go Command F and see. But but it, it's 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 frightening to me for someone like that to be in that kind of position with. You know, if they've got her name on their list, like what degree is she beholden to these people, to this agenda? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's bad. I, I, uh, the other thing about school board trustees and an organization that has long, we have long kind of kept an eye on is the, the anodynely named uh, Parents for Choice and Education Group. <laughs> And uh, these folks are, again, like very much in the vein of this one accord stuff. They're, they're, they tend to be kind of like Christian or Christian fundamentalist adjacent and uh, you're very much worried about, you know, trans ideology and, and uh, GSAs and shit like that. Um, and if you're looking for a handy way to just like scratch uh, a candidate off, you can just go and check out their questionnaire very much like – uh, Tapper, they also sent questionnaires uh, out and it's a just, first off, it's just a giant red flag. If anyone even responds to a parents for choice and education questionnaire. Uh, but like, if you actually click on it and see what they say, like it very much like it's, you, you can see who's who, right? Like Esther Ekpe 
responded yes to the question. Currently, provincial legislation requires that parents be provided notice when a program of study involves subject matter that deals primarily and explicitly with religion or human sexuality. Do you agree that this notice and opt-out opportunity should continue to be provided? She said, you know, yes. Oh, this is the one that's the, the GSA one. She said yes to, do you agree that any school board policy that forces teachers to keep secrets from parents is unacceptable? And if elected, would you move to repeal any such policies? For example... The NDP government in 2017 forced boards to pass a policy regarding certain student clubs, GSAs, that said notification, if any, respecting a voluntary student organization is limited to the fact of establishment of the organization or the holding of the activity. Essentially, this is the like, they want teachers, they want to repeal legislation that allows teachers to out kids who join GSAs to their parents. And like Esther, for instance, said yes to this. Anyone who says yes to that question, yeah, automatic, huge red flag. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. And, and like, it's, it's dangerous, like to, to have someone like that potentially be in a seat of power over, you know, school board has a lot of power to, to influence, obviously the schools, the schools in which our children will be in. And, you know, if your child is not comfortable telling you and they're comfortable telling a teacher, then forcing that information to go to parents could put that child at risk. And, you know, if, that's your parenting style. That's on you. And, you know, it, it's not up to a school board or a politician to put children in dangerous positions. You know, we can't assume that every parental household is a safe one. Yeah. And so I actually, uh, the project fun project for later might be just going through every single one of these and just finding all of the, uh, the, <laughs> the school board trustee candidates that agreed with that question about outing kids who joined GSAs. Uh, we'll see if I can find the time for that before the 18th, but a uh, very just easy tool to just see if, uh, uh, you know, these people are just kind of like outing themselves, but <sighs> You know, I don't have a good segue into this next segment. You know, maybe I could construct something about how, you know, we're seeing a rising tide of of white nationalism and white extremism. You know, we're seeing it perhaps in these these Christian uh, candidates for school board. We're seeing it in you know shit like Sherry Adams saying, you know, va uh, vaccinations are bad and you should use horse paste. Uh, it's all it's all somewhat related, but but I'm just gonna dive right into it. The thing I also want to talk about on this podcast is an absolutely insane case out of Edmonton that we have to call the Mole Man case. <laughs> uh, you had not heard about this until I brought it, told you that we'd be talking about it on the pod, right? Yeah, I'm honestly like <laughs> it's been it's been tough to keep up, and then when I I read this, like you know, it's it's hard to be surprised anymore. But Jesus fucking Christ. So this this case originally came on our radar, and we had some posts on Twitter about it. Uh, when um, in September, uh, it was it was released, or the news came out that Calvin Moore, uh, M A U R E, a 26 year old uh, who lives in Parkland County, was released on bail in September. He uh, had appealed uh, the decision by a judge to not grant him bail, which is usually is actually pretty extraordinary to not grant someone bail. And he had been in prison since earlier in the year when he had been charged with 35 separate weapon offenses. Uh, the RCMP alleged that Moore posted extremist views online and presented a threat to critical infrastructure, police, and the public. Uh, this is a guy who uh, dressed up in a cop uniform. This is a guy who uh, broke into and vandalized an uh, uh, oil field site. 
Um, like this is a guy who was on 4chan saying and doing absolutely wild shit. The reason why it was on our radar was that when the judge let him out on bail, his in his written decision, he said, quote, the Crown's concerns about Mr. Moore's belief are valid, but misplaced. There is no concrete evidence before the court that ties him inexorably to these beliefs or groups. Oh, sure. I mean, that's that's your opinion, judge, but fair enough. But this is the doozy. To deny him bail based on these assertions would be wrong. It would be reminiscent of the overreaction during the McCarthy era of the early 1950s and to the unjustified fear of communist subversives. So not giving this fucking 4chan loser with like, who was caught with, let's, let's be real, like a bunch of restricted weapons that he was trying to turn into automatic weapons with like explosives. To deny him bail based on these assertions would be wrong. It would be reminiscent of the overreaction during the McCarthy era. He's, it is not McCarthyism to put a fascist in prison without bail, especially when you catch him with a bunch of fucking guns and explosives. That is, that is not McCarthyism. Like you're a fucking judge. Read a fucking book. Like if during the house of, if the house of un-American activities had ever turned up anyone like Kelvin Moore, then, then McCarthyism would not have the meaning that it has. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, the details of this case are wild. So police say in January that he impersonated a police officer near Spruce Grove. Then on February 12th, he allegedly damaged an oil and gas facility near Drayton Valley, belonging to Obsidian Energy. He was then arrested the following day. I think the police have been keeping very close tabs on this guy. Like he, The story that came out today on this was uh, the Edmonton Journal publishing a piece which gets into this guy's like 4chan posting history. And that's the piece that I sent to you, right? Mm-hmm. Like how you know, safe I, do you feel walking around knowing that this guy is out on bail? It, it's terrifying to me, you know. Like we've seen this with with uh, you know other mass um, shootings. We've seen the the Quebec mass shooting with Alexandre Bissonnette. We've we've seen the New Zealand shooting, and you know in New, in New Zealand, the youngest Muslim child, that was, Muslim person that was killed was a three year old, like a, a little toddler. And, you know, my kids play with their dinosaurs in the mosque back pre-COVID when we, we could all go. And, you know, for me, looking at this as a Muslim person who's seen hate crimes increase and seen how black Muslim women in our community are so disproportionately affected. You know, it reminds me of like, you know, Patrick Matthews and, you know, these people like no charges are laid or they're put on bail and then they escape across the border or they they are able to reunite with other other extremists that share their ideology. Like, how could you let someone like that out? Yeah, and to call out McCarthyism is wild. So this guy's trial happens in April 2022. Uh, the reporting, which which we'll link to in the show notes, there's some absolutely wild photos of this guy on Halloween 2016. Uh, this guy was out in like camo uh and like posing with cops there's a picture of him in front of the legislature like with a handgun uh you know this is something that i've been kind of rolling around in my head for for a while now pretty much like since the federal election and and the the kind of t- media's inability to kind of see what the ppc is and and what it does how it operates but like we need to start building institutions of of self defense like white people are becoming increasingly radicalized. Uh, like reactionary conservative white folks are dangerous. <laughs> and yeah, clearly. Well, I, I mean, and, and the thing is, is that 
this is an issue, you know, and there's been studies on this, you know, like there's been organizations like OPV that have looked into this on um, how radicalization and de-radicalization work. And, you know, there's lots of other organizations, academic studies you can, you can access, but it's affecting, you know, young white males very, very uh, disproportionately. And like these, these young men, these sometimes children, are online getting radicalized by Facebook. You know, we saw recently with Facebook getting shut down. You know, there's lots of concerns there. Um, on Instagram, on TikTok, where there's active white nationalists with platforms in the thousands of followers that these apps and these social media giants are letting, you know, run amok because it drives controversy, it drives clicks, and it drives shares. Yeah. And you've been, you were sending me stuff like that and you, you keep a better eye than I do on that shit. And, uh, no, like these reactionary white folks are getting radicalized and they're getting radicalized more and more. (laughs) And it's really fucking scary and dangerous. And we need to figure out what self-defense looks like and how that works. Um, on that cheery note, let's, 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 uh, let's transition to something a little more fun (laughs) trend. Uh, and I do want to give a little bit of a, of a status report on the most important part of the upcoming municipal elections. And that is, of course, uh, the Senate campaign. Uh, this, I, I assume you've been keeping very close track of the Senate campaign, haven't you? Yeah, it's been an intense race to, you know, um, embarrass Jason Kenney, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it has been actually quite good for my mental health to just like see all the the posts on, you know, on, on Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram of like, hey, I voted for you. And like, yeah, hey, here's a picture of, the, of your funny, like, fuck Kenny vote Kenny button. And by the <laughs> way, if you want a fuck Kenny vote Kenny button, uh, just send me a message on like Twitter. My DMs are open. Um, oh, I want one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll get you some. I got a big bag. Um but but a bit of it, it has been very good for my mental health. Just get all these positive vibes sent my way of just like people sending me messages saying hey, I voted for you. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, or during an otherwise very dark time, uh, it's good. I also do want to talk about the rise of another incredible candidate for Senate, and that is uh, Jet Thunders. Um, if you are uh, taking the opportunity to vote in these Senate elections, I would recommend uh, both myself, obviously, and uh, Jet Thunders. Um, he is he is you know, treating the Senate election with the respect and seriousness and decorum that it deserves. Uh, <laughs> do you have any, any thoughts on, on Jet's uh, persona or videos or anything? Well, you know, uh, aside from the impeccable sense of style and, you know, rocking like a, a very fashionable hairstyle, you know, like I think like the name alone, you know, should be a vote right there. Um, <laughs> you know, and you can vote for, for Jet Thunders and Duncan here. Like, so you, you might as well vote for both. Yeah, you get up to three. Uh, I only voted for for me and Jet, but you do get up to three. So if one of those other uh, candidates tickle your fancy or is like your uncle or something, I don't know. There's like three conservatives and three PPC. So like, uh, yeah, we definitely want to beat them. But I don't know. It's 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 like it's like funny to contemplate winning that. It's like um, the the political stakes are you know very low for this Senate election, right? Like on the fucking floor, like does not matter at all. The winner will not become a Senator, but the comedy stakes, if I win are very high. Well, it's, it's just so memeable. I mean, like, especially like, you know, on top of Jason Kenney's other, uh, you know, mountain of accomplishments this past year, you know, uh, having a, uh, somebody who wants to abolish the Senate be 
his uh, elected senator in a sham race would just be the the icing on the cake, as it were. Yeah, there you go. So if you haven't, the the advanced polls are open here in Edmonton, Calgary, I think, to like Monday or Tuesday next week. So if you can get out to the advanced polls, if not, the election is held on October 18th. Um, but yeah, don't just vote for me. Vote, vote, look into your counselors, you know, look into your school board trustees. The, uh, the labor councils tend to have very good, uh, um, endorsement lists, which are a great place to start, uh, if not just go off of. Uh, and Climate Justice Edmonton has a very good list uh, of endorsements as well. So, uh, you know, there are resources out there. We Jim uh, did just put out a newsletter that kind of went into a little bit more detail on this. We can link to that in the show notes. But uh, but yeah, any kind of last thoughts on the uh, the municipal, the various municipal election things before we close it out? Well, you know, I think people people should follow some folks on Twitter. You know, Dr. Obaka Okbogu is a, is a really good source of information. He's got his own um, takes on, on the municipal election. And, you know, I think there's a lot of folks that, like us, are, are looking at defunding police as being a major issue. And I think at the end of the day, you know, this is an election you can't afford to sit out. This isn't like uh, this isn't like the federal election or the provincial election. No. But I, I would I would argue that municipal elections affect the average person more. And there's a huge, huge amount of things at stake here. So if you can go out to the polls and vote. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, maybe let's build a, like an actual municipal political party or a slate for four years from now. Uh, maybe uh, give me a call or send me a DM after this whole thing is over and we can we can get that in motion. We'll call uh, the, the Jet, Jet Thunders party. <laughs> exactly. All right. Base Def, yes, our heroic leader. Uh, Trent, um, you know, what's the best place for people to follow along with uh, the work and the content you produce online? Well, how can time now you can uh, plug your pluggables? Uh, well, I've been most active on TikTok in the past couple or year, I guess, uh, which is daily, my surname, D A L E Y shenanigans, daily shenanigans. And uh, I, I tweet occasionally. Um, and I think that's the two things I post on the most. And uh, with a couple of my friends, uh, a Métis woman from Calgary and a trans person from Calgary, we started like a little YouTube channel called Spare Room News, where we just kind of do like a very sarcastic and satirical takes on Jason Kenney and the provincial going on. Yes. Uh, yes. Your, t- your TikTok account is, is a good, it's treasure. Please follow it. If you're, uh, fi- if you find yourself on that, on that social media platform, I made a few videos on there and then it's, I stopped it. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just another, it's more work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a unique, unique, uh, social media platform to be sure. But definitely uh, follow Trent, uh, on what he does. Uh, on TikTok. It's very good. Uh, Folks, if you like this podcast, you want to keep hearing it, there's a very simple thing you can do to help us out. And that is um, donate money to us a small bit every month, five, 10, $15, whatever you can afford. It really does make a difference uh, for Jim and I. Uh, And you join, you know, 500 or so other folks who also donate and are absolutely key to this independent media projects kind of continued existence. So there is a link uh, in the show notes. you know, or it's just theprogressreport.ca slash patrons. Uh, also, if you have any notes, thoughts, comments, uh, things you think I need to hear or that I screwed up on, I am very easy to reach. Uh, I am on email at duncank at progressalberta.ca and you can reach me on Twitter at at duncankinney. Thanks to Jamie Cremens for Chase Producing. Thanks to Jim Story for editing. Thank you to Cosmic Femu Communist for our amazing theme. Thanks to, again to Trent Daly for coming on. This has been really great, Trent. would love to have you back. And uh, and to all the folks listening and out there, thank you for listening. Goodbye.